Greg. Yes, Jim. Good. I can hear you fine. How about, can you hear me? Excellent, excellent, excellent. This is Jim English, and welcome to the Who Gives a Shit Files. And we have Greg Big Daddy Schmidt, and this is an extraordinarily exciting time of year for Big Daddy because UConn women's basketball is is full throttle on now. And what is exciting, and I want to hear all about it, first round in stores Connecticut, huh? Yes. Uh, despite the hell that they've had to go through this year um what a difference three weeks makes when uh UConn got their entire roster back uh sans uh, Aubrey Griffin who's out for the year with a back surgery but Paige Beckers has come back and is uh, playing limited minutes but they've since uh they've got the entire nine person rotation back down from or up from the six they had before they've clawed their way up to a number two seed and they're playing in the uh, Bridgeport bracket, which is 78 miles from campus. So in effect, they've got two home games at Gamble Pavilion, so they're hosting a regional since they're in the top 16. And they have uh, will also be playing the rest of the games as far as they go up through uh, the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight at uh, in Bridgeport in their home state. So Things are wow. much better than they were a month ago. I'll tell you that. They've been, you know, marching through the Big East uh, as they got their players back. And then Paige Beckers came back, and they've averaged winning by 40.2 points per game since she has come back. And, you know, the trials and tribulations they went through this whole season with so many people hurt and so many different lineups and COVID stops has uh, – now manifested that they have a nine-person rotation, which is they bring in waves of people, and there's no drop-off with the people they bring in. So now this is what you and I were talking about three months ago when I was, you know, foaming at the mouth at the prospects of the season. Now it's coming around to where uh, they won the Big East. They actually lost the game for the first time in nine years in a conference, but that's to be expected when you play six players and you get the other. But that was how shot. long ago? That was ago. Did they lose the conference game? Um, it's over a month ago. They've they've won, I think, fourteen straight since then. They're and on a roll, right? Yeah, they especially once uh, they they started to get more and more players back, and then as the Big East wound down, they got Paige Becker's back, and she, she the girl needs to be noted for her class. She was ready to come back. And they um, said, you're going to come back on Friday, which was senior night for the UConn senior players. And she said, no way, I'll come back on Wednesday before the Friday. I'm not going to steal their thunder and come back when it's their big day. So she came back on the Wednesday game before where they slaughtered Georgetown. And, and of course, in her typical fashion, she comes into the game with, with three minutes left in the first quarter. And in the last second, hits a jumper at the end of the first quarter and drove the place absolutely out of their mind. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and then of course she ran over to the student section, and started leading cheers before she went back to the bench. So it's, it's just an amazing situation. And then they rolled through the big East tournament, winning that games there by 46, 20. And, and then they played Villanova in their, you know, rematch and 
Villanova got a little bit different taste this time and lost by 30 instead of winning. They uh, they just walked all over them because they had a, a full roster. So, you know, Villanova made the tournament. So to UConn's credit, they dragged the rest of the league up where they had four teams make the, uh, the NC2A tournament, which is pretty good. But they're, uh, now they're, the situation, Jim, is with this 25-5 and five record, they had the final AP poll. They're ranked number five, which is amazing based on what they've gone through. And for all those UConn haters out there, this is the 16th year in a row they've finished in the top five. Most coaches Gotta get, love that. Also, coaches, too, also too, Daddy, is it now – so essentially they have four home games. Exactly. Because they got stores, which is, you know, right there. Yeah. And, and, then, and then Bridgeport, right? So those stands will be filled with UConn. And I was thinking about it today. Is the NCAA is smart to do that? Because, you know, yeah, we want to crown the champion. But, yes, we also want to make money. And uh, it, all these it, things will be sold out. Oh, NC2A is all about money. Um, they do, NC2A does silly things um, from time to time. That's, you know, like I've always said, said probably on, your, on this, your show here, the only thing that screws up sports is adults. So the NC2A, if you give them a chance, they'll, they'll mess something up. But they do know how to try and maximize their money. They have this region. They put UConn in there. I think the arena there holds ten or 12,000. It's sold out all the way through UConn fans go in and they watch all the other games too. They don't just go and leave. They, they pack the place. So concessions go up and, and everything. So poor North Carolina. And they do State. like the party too. Oh, so they, they'll be well, uh, drinking a frosty one right there. Right. That plus probably a, a glass of Metamucil because they're, they tend to travel in the, the AARP is their main sponsor. I think for a lot of their home games, they have a, they have a lot of people there that are in the older, that just love, watching these teams play so yeah north carolina state is the number one seed in the bridgeport okay before we do that before we get to north carolina state so you got um you've got all the teams assume north carolina is the number one seed of the non-number one seeds who concerns you the most and why in in the bridgeport region yeah in the stores in the bridgeport Okay. Um, well, concerning, you know, in the, the first game they have against Mercer, which is a, um, a smaller, you know, Division One school and, uh, you know, deserves to be in the tournament. But, of course, UConn should um, beat them quite handily. Actually, UConn's uh, second game, they play the winner of Florida, which is a decent team out of the SEC and UCF, University of Central Florida which used to be in UConn's um, American Athletic Conference, which they left two years ago to go back to the Big East. They're a pretty good team. So their second round game is not going to be a walkover. This, this, it, I, I would expect it to be UCF, but they're a, uh, a very physical team. So I, it's not like they have a cakewalk. They're going to have to bring their A game. Um, Gino has a – Toriyama has a uh, – fairly frosty relationship with the with the UCF coach they call her coach Abe this uh the coach there she's pretty hard-nosed and they like to rough the UConn players up starting back with with Brianna Stewart and 
and with uh, Katie Lou Samson and stuff like that. Like the hold, push, and claw a lot. So it'll be an interesting game there. Um, so there's some the- history. That that's good, huh? Oh yeah, it'll be intriguing because uh, that would uh, you know that will make anybody's resume for life if you beat UConn. So um, it'll be a tough game. They get their best shot. The rest of the bracket, as if if they make it through those two games, you know they have uh, right up above them, ready to play. They're they've got Kentucky and Indiana are above them, and and they're Kentucky just beat South Carolina in the uh, SEC finals, which was South Carolina's going to be humiliated over that fact. Kentucky started off the season like two and eight, and they they've got a really good player, and they they just came together and beat them fair and square straight up. So um, UConn doesn't have an easy road to get there. So are they, are they a three, are they a three seed? Are you talking about Kentucky? Hello. Oh, Greg, are you there? Yes. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. So, so is Kentucky a third seed? No, Kentucky is a six seed. The wow, they, they beat the dreaded, the invincible South Carolina, and they're still a pretty low seed. That's interesting. Yeah, they, they had um, a real long patch of not playing very well. Kentucky did, and then they now, which is the beauty part of the NCAA tournament, as you know, somebody, you, all you got to do is get on a roll. It's six games, and, 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 you know, if you're on a roll, you can you can go pretty far. So we'll see how Kentucky role goes they, they have to play Princeton first which will be a Princeton's a very underseeded 11 seed they're they're coached by a former UConn player and they're very disciplined and, and very uh very hard to beat because they don't they play very fundamental but Indiana is another good team that that's uh will be playing Kentucky um I would imagine this and then the winner of that would probably end up playing UConn if they make it through the first two rounds so there's there's a lot of uh you know, North Carolina State's going to be a, a real, uh, a real handful if, if they get to. The yeah, because they're they the first seed, that. right? Yeah. Didn't yeah. they? Didn't they also beat South Carolina? I uh, don't think so. South Carolina lost to Missouri and to um, to uh, Kentucky. It's funny in these these rankings. I think I've talked about this before. South Carolina has lost twice when they've been ranked number one. And each time they've lost, they didn't go off the number one ranking. They still rank, were ranked number one after that. It's, you know, I don't know how this stuff works. It, it just seems weird if you lose to an unranked team and you retain your number one. Are you, I don't know how they vote this stuff, but can, uh, South Carolina is really good. So they're going to be loaded for bear now that they lost and got embarrassed in that final. They're going to, you know, come back strong here. So they're gonna be pissed. it's going to be, so, be a fight. So let's talk about North Carolina State. Let's assume that the Huskies, the Lady Huskies, get through their bracket. And in the Elite Eight, they play North Carolina State. How do you see that game going? The, the, uh, that would be a, a really, really big obstacle for them. Um, it will depend upon how the younger UConn players play because they're this, this is their first time in something like this. 
the other the Paige Beckers and Mika Mules and Kristen Williams and Olivia Nelson Adota and all those people have been in the uh, the NC2As before. North Carolina has a really good center, Melissa Kunane, who's a big, tall, um, rangy, power forward type center. They have um, really, really good wing players and some good guards. So obviously, if they're a number one seed, they're a formidable team. UConn can beat them, and they can very easily beat UConn too. UConn, if, if UConn plays its A game with, with what they have, and if they continue to improve like they have, here recently they will be very hard to deal with because they come at you with nine straight you know nine deep and it's three six five players and a bunch of three six can... five players <laughs> they have darker Yuhas who's a transfer from ohio state she was all big 10 two years in a row olivia nelson adota they also can bring in they have Aliyah edwards who's six three they have two more six five guys on the bench that are like projects so they're they're not really you know that difficult to deal with but then they also have the outside shooting of of az fudd who has come alive caroline Descharm. you know they will have Paige beckers back to direct everything and the thing about uconn that, that nobody talks about is their defense since the especially since the villanova game their defense has just suffocated people they're they're allowing barely over 40 points a game for the past 10 Are games. Are they really? Jeez. Because their Gino finally got them to figure out if you go out there, since you have nine players now, you go out there and bust your hump and then somebody will come in for you, some fresh legs, and you'll sit out three or four minutes and you'll come back in and, you know, everybody just goes all out. And that's a that's a good problem to have. Most A lot of people will say, oh, nine players, they're all going to be griping about playing time because everybody's been playing 35 or 40 minutes because they only had six you know legitimate players for quite a while and now they're everybody's minutes are down to 22 23 minutes and these girls have all bought into that which bodes well for them because they're all about winning and they're all about the team and they're not worried about their playing time or their stats i mean Paige beckers she's come back she scored 16 in one game but she's only playing 15 minutes a game. A couple games, she scored two points. A couple games, one game, she scored eight points. But she passes the ball to everybody, and she, you know, she's a straw that serves a drink. So UConn has a, a great formula for everybody going all out, and nobody's got bad body language or anything like that. Everybody just wants to win, and they're, they're really – they can be very tough if they if – they, dial it up and play the way they're supposed to but the, the, the thing is they're they're young too because they make a lot of turnovers the first quarter of every game i'm i'm almost suicidal watching them because they just come out and just pass the ball to the other team i mean gino or emma was quoting saying yeah we it takes us a one quarter to figure out you need to pass the ball to the team that's wearing the same uniform you're wearing <laughs> what are they colorblind so they i got a question for you here so greg um Gino always play nine deep, or is this because he's got unique talents, or you know he's got such a deep bench? Does he usually go this deep? Because a lot of times during the playoffs, people shorten their bench. The coaches shorten their bench. So I'm curious about Gino and how he does this. He said he has not had this many players to play since 2009, 2010. The the recent years. They are a seven-person rotation, 
and sometimes six when it gets to the to the playoffs. And those are six really, really good players, but they haven't had the 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 depth in the past uh, since Brianna Stewart. 2016 you know after that then it started the rotation got down to uh, six seven players playing you know 35 40 minutes a game so this he loves the fact that he he can he has the depth as long as the the players have the right attitude about playing time which these girls have all bought in and it's all about winning and uh so don't you love that I mean, it's so, so refreshing. And they're not the only team in America that's like this, but it's so refreshing to listen to these girls. And you can learn a lot about it at a game, whether you're either at the game or you're watching it on TV or on your computer, like, like I do, just watching body language on people. You know, I see some teams, I, I use Notre Dame as an example. I, I watch because their ACC games are on, on ESPN a lot those girls get mad at each other and, and, and fight during the games with each other, you know, sh- slumped shoulders, ignoring each other and stuff like that. And then they get smoked by lesser teams sometimes. Now you have to have, it's all about attitude. So I love it because these girls just, you watch their bench, they're all cheering for each other. And, and that's how you win by getting, being supported. So it's a good problem to have. And I don't know, he might pair his, rotation down but i don't know how he really could because everybody there is, is pretty essential and bring something completely different and he asked them just to be themselves not to be anything they that they're not you just go out and be the best version of yourself when you're out there and don't be afraid go out take your shots go out and play really hard defense and go out and get some rebounds and as you can see since they got everybody back they're annihilating everybody we'll continue on in the into the nc2a rounds because the teams are much better now you know they're not, you're not playing uh you know at but there are four teams, teams from from their league that made it in so that to me says that they're a pretty good league that yeah it, it is a, it's a pretty good league it's it's you know when you watch a lot of basketball like i do all you listen to is you, you normally when you're watching a game on espn or, or any of the acc network or any of the other stuff it, it's all homer time you know everybody's this is the greatest league ever the acc should have you know, 12 teams in the NC2A. We only have 11 teams in the league anyway, but we should get an extra one. You know, every, every league's the greatest. <laughs> SEC should have, every, every team should be in there. Regardless, they all should be number one seeds. They, they just all do that kind of nonsense. Big 10 too, you know, and yeah, okay. There are some really good teams in there and they have to play each other and stuff like that. Big East is, you know, I, it's four is, it's generous. I, I, I thought they'd probably have two or three. Gino was hoping that they would get four. And Villanova got in strictly on the fact that they beat UConn. Creighton deserves to be in there. And DePaul got a play-in game, which they play tomorrow night. They have you know one of those now this field of 68, one of those playing games for a number 11 seed. So that's a testament to UConn bringing everybody up you know, <laughs> along with them. Really, something about the rising tide, you know, all boats <laughs> go up. So, yeah. so let me ask you this. So, so – uh, let's assume they get by North Carolina State, okay? And let's assume that they're that the next team they play is a number one seed. Who would that be? Do you know? I would say, based on my if they get by North Carolina State, once you call the ambulance for me over at your house when I've drank an entire <laughs> quart of whiskey, 
at your house and they'll have to pump my stomach <laughs> for the next game. They will have to play against, I would imagine, Stanford is, is okay. on UConn's side of the bracket, which that ain't no day at the beach. That is a really, no, really that's good a, team. Yeah. They've lost three games, and they lost three games, one early in the season and uh, a couple games later on that were they just kind of didn't do anything. So it's not like they're invincible. But Stanford is, I would have to say, is probably the uh, – probably the – and Texas is going to be a dangerous team too. We'll see see how they do. They're, they're, Texas is pretty nutty. They're very aggressive, and they, they've got a bunch of girls that – but if you play them fundamental, you'll end up frustrating them and they'll end up freaking out. So Stanford is uh, probably the biggest obstacle they have. You know, on the other side, it'll most likely be South Carolina and possibly uh, Louisville or Baylor or something like that. So it's not going to be easy no matter. You know, I, I, wrote, I made a note here when I, when I was thinking about us doing this podcast and legitimately South Carolina, North Carolina State, Louisville, Stanford, Baylor, Iowa, as a, as a bit of a long shot. They have that Caitlin Clark, who's averaging about 28 a game and eight assists a game, and UConn. So there's right there, that's seven teams I think are legitimate. And you could even throw Texas in there on a, as a little bit further of a long shot. Uh, there's, there's eight teams that could win this thing. It's not like in the, you know, I'm used to from, you know, five years ago where, all right, pretty much going to be UConn and whoever else they're going to face. It doesn't work that way anymore. There's a lot of parody and a lot of really good teams. Well, I bet you like the good old days better, but this is better for women's basketball. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to take it as it comes. I I, I can always watch those games on uh, on the computer, you know, watch the 19, 2016 NC2A championship. So, I, you know, it's not ever going to go away. It's there. But this is, this is amazing, I think, compared to where it was 20 years ago. Th- these are some really good players and some really good teams and some really good coaches. And uh, I think, you know, that whole debacle last year with the inequity of the weight rooms and all that kind of stuff is going to uh, make the experience better for everybody this year. Cause the NC2A finally has to, to do it first class rather than just do it as an afterthought for the women. So tell us about that. What happened? Well, last year, as they went to the, uh, they were they were in a um, bubble atmosphere last year, you know, with no fans and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So uh, the, the the men they get to their wherever they I can't remember where it was at. They had their um, their final four type of stuff and their games leading up to that. And then the final four, they they show the men's weight room. You know, it's a full weight room with all sorts of racks and free weights and you know, any type of, of uh, pre-core type of, you know, elliptical bikes and stuff like that. You know, for each team, they have various times they can go in there and, and do their team work, that whatever they do, whether they lift weights or, or uh, you know, stretch or whatever it is. Then they, one of the players from Oregon, this uh, radical center they have there, kind of a funny girl, she um, she took a, with her, with her cell phone, showed the, uh, Here's the women's weight room and wherever they're, I forgot wherever the final four was last year for the women. It was like one rack of weights from like five pounds to 15 pounds, a couple of plyo balls and one 
old exercise bike. And that went viral wow. and exposed oh the NCAA gosh. for what they are. And it was, oh my God. It was they, they took vicious hits over the inequity of, of what they're doing. I wasn't aware of that. And I thought it was kind of funny, actually. So, well, so I think Prince they, is, go ahead. They need to treat everybody the same way. I mean, come on. Well, especially in today's, real here. today's woke world. I mean, you know, come on, you know, and the, it, but that shows, you know, like my previous statement, the only thing that messes up sports is adults. So you have the NC2A, it was a bunch of, of just narrow-minded, most part men sitting there making all these decisions. And that's not like a hate man. I am a man. I'm sure the women hate men, but whatever. They did. They don't. They do what's best for them. They don't do what's best for the sport or here. That's what's going to line their pockets. And the boys, the men's, is where all the money is, obviously. But you know what? UConn's first game against Mercer, Jim, is on ABC on Saturday. Is it really? It's only the second time there's ever been a, a women's game on on a major network like that. Last time was was UConn was on there, of course, and they got ridiculous ratings because everybody wants to watch them. So things are changing for the good in some ways and not necessarily the, the good in other ways. But, you know, it, I think it's great because it, it, it makes it more fun to watch because they, it's treated more as an event. It's, you know, we don't have to search around, try and find the games. Now they're, they're televising the games because people do yeah. watch. You don't have never... to fish all over the internet. So, so daddy, so South Carolina, you know, who is, probably i'm sure it's the vegas favorite they oh, yeah. lost their last game to kentucky do you think they're going to be nervous do you think they're going to be uptight that really surprises me that they lost to a six seed in the tournament um they have a really good coach don staley who i have a lot of respect for she was um a really good player in college in the pros and she's coached at Temple for a while, and then she, now she's really built South Carolina up, and she's, um, she does a lot for the women's game. Um, I don't think she'll let them feel sorry for themselves. She's a pretty, pretty realistic. Uh, she, was on, she and Gina Oriam have coached together on the uh, Team USA when, when Gina was the Olympics coach for, for the two Olympics, then she was the Olympic coach uh, last year. So they have a mutual respect for each other. So I, I base it off of that, that she, they're not good by accident. She knows how to prepare her teams. Now, a couple of times this year, they've uh, took their foot off the gas and they got beat by a Missouri team that didn't even make the, the tournament. And they got beat by Kentucky because they simply thought, kind of like UConn last year when they played Arizona in the final four, they thought we'll just show up and win because nobody thought Arizona was going to be here and Arizona kicked their ass. Well, that's what happened with, uh, with South Carolina. They gave up, uh, they had a 14 point lead and they gave up the last 17 points of the game and got beat. Did they three. really? They got the last 17 points. Yeah. They just, Whoa. they just thought they could just waltz through it. And Kentucky wasn't going to about to give up for once because Kentucky had quit in a bunch of games I'd watched this year, but they gave them a shot and this girl, got this pass at the top of the key and buried a three pointer. And that's the end of that. They had half a second to throw a, you know, a full court shot that didn't get anywhere. It hit the rim, but you know, it wasn't going to really do anything, but 
it's uh you got to play your a game anymore you know if you you can get to buy with a lot of the bottom bottom feeders in your league or you know your if you if you play cream puffs during the year in your in your non-conference season you can do that but anymore sooner or later somebody can catch fire and you, you can get beat so i don't think i think kentucky or uh, south carolina's gonna come back with a vengeance okay and let me ask you this let me let me ask you this so let's talk about about the a theoretical matchup and i don't want to jinx anything because this is way premature but it's just fun to speculate how do you see a south carolina yukon game going like for example what, does UConn have any strengths that are the weaknesses of South Carolina? Something along those lines. How's the matchup? Yeah. How's the strengths versus weaknesses? You know, tell me about that, please. Tell they us played, about that. They played uh, earlier in the year in the the uh, a tournament in the Bahamas. UConn is like the fourth game of the year. UConn and South Carolina. Right before Paige Beckers got hurt. UConn was ahead by three at the end of three quarters. And, uh, or maybe they're behind by three at the end of the quarters. UConn just totally folded in the fourth quarter. This is when, there's kind of like that saying, that was in, this is now. That UConn team then relied on Paige Beckers for everything. If, you know, if she got sick, somebody else coughed for, you know, that's how it was because they, they wanted her and they were so reliant on her from the year before of doing everything. They weren't playing to their potential. Well, now we, we go to, to now when they, when they play each other, UConn's got nine players that have all had to play a lot of minutes that have their own game that are confident. So what UConn has is transition basketball. If they can get the, if they can rebound, because South Carolina is big and strong. They have a, Probably, I, I believe the player of the year in, in Aaliyah Boston is uh, there. She's a big, I think, like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, um, center, double-double machine, averages a double-double, just a uh, really good ball player, really good ball player, never quits. And so they, and they have some really good guards. So if UConn can, in, the, in that game, UConn would have to be able to rebound. If they can rebound it and get into transition, they will they will have a very good chance if they get in foul trouble and if if uh, they get just hosed on the boards with a lot if, if they give up a lot of offensive rebounds then it'll be very very difficult for them to win which was evident in the first time they played. Yeah. So what would you remember the final score of that game? Sixty three to forty seven. But it's also too is the there were a lot of young players that were playing, right? Their first really big game. And now that Paige Becker is back, but when she got hurt, these players got a lot of playing time and they had to rely on themselves. So that had to be a learning experience for UConn. So they're a stronger team because of that now. Correct. And that's why they're beating everybody by 40 now, because everybody comes out and does what they do best. You know, you had, Caroline Ducharme, this unknown, not unknown, she's number five prospect in the nation, freshman who hadn't played much the first three or four games of the year. And when Paige Beckers is out, she all of a sudden averaged 18 points a game for about 10 games. And she saved she beat really? DePaul with a last second layup. She's a 6'3", really? 6'2", uh, guard forward, good shooter, but just extremely good. She's kind of like a Jim English type of player who 
gets to the basket, gets to the basket in an unorthodox way, but manages to finish a lot of her shots. And she blocks shots. She plays some pretty good D. And then they got AZ Fudd back, who's, you know, who's had a foot injury. And then she started lighting up, had a couple of games of 28 points, 24 points, just bobbing three pointers all over the place. So they've all had to learn how to play and, and just relax and play because they had no choice. They didn't have any other players, you know, you just have to do it and stop worrying about making mistakes. And once they started doing that, they've, uh, they've all been taken off at different times. And to me, it's, it's flabbergasting to watch a UConn game where I look over at the scorers table during the game. And there's four UConn players getting ready to substitute in, like a hockey line, where they're, they're just – Oh, really? He's never done that before because he's never had that many players to do that. He'd substitute one or two at a time, generally one. But now they're coming in three, four at a time, all fresh legs, all with a different set of abilities, but they all mesh. So that could be hard to deal with. Um, but it's going to be hard all the way through because these are such good teams. I'm, I'm really excited to watch this stuff just to see – how they come through. Also, too, Daddy, it's that I see UConn for the first time in a long time being underappreciated, being an underdog, and really wanting to prove something and being super focused. This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Oh, it's it's been a year of first for UConn, and you know, I'm sure Gino's got a bitter taste in his mouth and he's been popping the Tic Tacs all year long because this is the first time they lost to an unranked team when they lost to Georgia Tech after Paige Beckers went out. First time they lost a conference game in, in, in nine years, which is ridiculous, but, you know, that's 169 games in a row. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, there's a lot of firsts. First time they fell out of the top 10, they fell all the way to number 11 when they only had six players. But now you see, you know, that's what's exciting because – that's a lot to swallow. He's not worried about any of that stuff. He's worried about where you finish up. He says there's three parts to the season, regular season, your conference tournament, and then the NC2As. We're in the third part now, so you better straighten up and get ready to go hard because now we're in the tough part. All so, you know, right. it's, it's been a – and then, and once again, you know, the, the rivalry – I have to mention this because it just tickles me to death. Muffet McGraw, the former – coach of, of Notre Dame, which, you know, UConn has had their victories over them and they've had their victories over UConn. They beat UConn a couple of years in a row in the final four. UConn beat them two or three times in their, in the NC2A finals in the you know, final game. So mutual uh, success against each other. But Muffin McGraw is, a, is like Gino. She's fiery. She's very classless too. So she's, Early in the year was, was saying how ESPN favors UConn and UConn players that they recruit get higher ratings because ESPN pumps them up for UConn. And, and Gino Ram is going, what? she's an she's a analyst now for the ACC network, wearing her Notre Dame scarf during the, the analyst, real, real unbiased opinion on everything. Oh, my God. And Gino Ram goes, you know, let's look at it this way. ESPN, Notre Dame's got their own network you know like for football and stuff like that he goes we're sports network new york sny is our network espn puts it on simply muffet because people watch us when we play you yeah. have your have your platform now nobody listened to you when you talked when you were a coach anyway so now you just got to spout something off 
we're not favored by them. They put us on because we produce the results that they want. So then later on in the press conference last week, <laughs> she brought it up again that UConn's nothing without Paige Beckers. And Gino Arima goes, once again, a former coach who knows shit about anything. <laughs> Those are the words he used in the press conference. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, how do you like us now? Winning by 40 points every game. I love Paige it. Paige Beckers has been playing 50 minutes. So, so is there- Go ahead. So, Daddy, Daddy, is there a chance that, and I would love this, is there a chance that somewhere down the line, UConn could play Notre Dame? Oh, yeah, because they, they beat them by 20. The game Paige Beckers hurt her knee was earlier in the year. And as this is how the NC2A works, what a coincidence. Notre Dame's in this Bridgeport regional. So all oh. Notre Dame has to do is beat Massachusetts, beat uh, – <laughs> Well, they, they would only face Notre Dame if Notre Dame uh, beats North Carolina State in the uh, in the Sweet uh, 16. So there's really not a a big chance they'd face them, but they could face. They'd have to face them in the regional finals, which I would love that. But, but Notre Dame has some good players too. Um, you know, the side. NCAA really missed that, didn't they? I mean, they should have put them so they played them like second round. I thought they would do that for sure because they did it last year when because everybody was talking about Paige Beckers and Caitlin Clark, the the superstar from Iowa, two two girls that everybody's saying you know they're pitting them against each other. What people didn't know is they played on a USA team together and they text each other all the time and they're good friends and everybody's trying to make this rivalry. But they put Iowa in UConn's bracket last year, where UConn played them in the Elite Eight. It was. It was done, contrived to, to do that for ratings. And you can't beat them by 20 and, you know, the rest is history. But um, they, they do that all the time because it's all about money. They're trying to, you know, they Absolutely. don't care about the matchups. They want, they want, they want who's going to watch. It doesn't matter if the matchups are fair or not. They, they want to make sure they get eyes on the, on the games. Absolutely. I mean, that's what the sponsors do. And to inflame a rivalry like that by having them play – in the regionals would have been perfect. Oh, I, I'm surprised I that they missed it. that. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, I would have, I would have no. Uh, there would not be a problem for uh, that. Would be a contentious game if they if they played, uh, especially with all the stuff that's you know, Muffet and Gino have been going back and forth about. But uh, it, it would be interesting. The, the first time they played was uh, UConn handled them pretty easily. They they just out fundamental them and. And like I said earlier, the, the Notre Dame players tend to kind of go off on each other. They're pretty high strung. You see a lot of slumped shoulders and people arguing with each other. But that's fine. They still win a lot of games. But we'll, yeah, we'll have but to see. That, I mean, it's, it's yeah, why they play the games, you know? That's why they play the games. So, all right, Daddy. So what I'd like to do, okay, is I would like to have you talk every step of the way. So next um, next uh, week, hopefully UConn will be in the Sweet 16, and we can review that if you're up to it, and then talk Sounds about good. what they're going to see. Okay, uh, I'd and- love to love to be able to provide a recap from the the first two rounds, um, and hopefully I'm you know in a good mood within the and then UConn does what they're supposed to do, and, and you know I fully would expect them to. 
and then uh, we can preview what's coming up in front of them after that. And then we can, once we get to the, that next two rounds, the sweet 16, the lead eight, then we can do it again before, if they get that far to the, uh, to the finals. We can keep doing this. So, so Greg, big daddy Schmidt in summation, how are you feeling about the UConn team and their chances in this tournament? I feel 100% better than I did two months ago. I'll give you that. I think they are in the conversation. And I think they are one of the ones like I outlined before. If I was a betting man, I would would bet on South Carolina. And that's just being objective, not, you know, not thinking with my heart, thinking with my head. I would say, um, I would, I think there's a really high potential for UConn to do well in this tournament. And we'll just see how they, how these people handle playing in this pressurized atmosphere. You know? And if they play to their potential, they, they have the ability to be in the final four, if not the finals. Well, Daddy, thank you very much for being on the show. And I can't wait to follow the UConn Huskies going forward. And I want to thank everybody for listening. And, Greg, we will see you. We will hear from you next week. Win, lose, or draw. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's really a lot of fun. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.